Welcome to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on 104.1 FM, KCRW Berlin. Each week we bring you a closer look at issues shaping our lives here in Germany's capital. We also look at how these issues are impacting the rest of Germany and beyond. Summer vacation for Berlin students is now underway. And looking forward to the next school year, this week we are talking about inclusion in Berlin schools. It's something that impacts each and every school district. It's the idea that all children, including those with special needs, deserve the best possible education, and that access to that education means giving all students the right to attend the same schools. It's a controversial issue, with some German states still focused on excluding children with additional physical, cognitive, or behavioral needs, while other regions want to see a fully integrated approach to learning. Joining me today is Eileen Bernardi. She's a mother of two, and her older son is now seven and autistic. Eileen spent the better part of nearly two years struggling to find a school that would accept him. Also joining me is Ryan Plocher, a teacher at an inclusive Gemeinschaftsschule in Neukölln, and also a member of the German Education Union, GEW. Welcome to you both. Happy to be here. <laughs> Glad to be here. So Ryan, first tell me about yourself. How long have you been teaching? And how is the school where you teach different from other schools here in Berlin? I've been teaching at the fritz Karsen schule since 2014. The fritz Karsen school is the oldest Gemeinschaftsschule in Germany. It was founded in 1948. Students at our school are taught from grades 1 to 13 at one school. And they're not separated by ability from grades one until 10. So you can come to school when you're five and then leave 13 years later with Abitur. Um, our principal is one school for all, which means uh, we take inclusion and anti-discrimination very seriously. Okay. And how do you yourself describe the term inclusion? So inclusion in the widest sense is, of course, all students are um, seen in terms of their needs and abilities and then are taught in an individual manner. So that can also include... Um, anti-discrimination because racism or transphobia, for example, are also exclusionary. But usually if you say inclusion to a teacher, then it means special needs students are taught in um, regular classes. And should it or should it not be adopted in all of Berlin schools? Uh, well, inclusion is a human right, and uh, Germany has signed that human rights convention. So I don't think it's an issue that we need to talk about. The question is more of can it happen? Um, Berlin has been trying to implement inclusion for about 10 years. Um, parents have had the right to choose if their kids go to regular schools or to special education schools since 2004. And some districts have kept their special education schools open. Others have closed them entirely. But in practice, almost all primary schools in Berlin are inclusive and almost all secondary schools are inclusive. But um, when I say secondary school, I don't mean gymnasium. Eileen, you have a son with autism. Yes. And he's seven now. Uh, it took you nearly two years of struggle to find a school for him. Tell us more about what that experience was like. Well, I started a bit in advance, also having gone through the Kita search, which also proved to be long and difficult. Um, so, yes, um, initially I started with the international schools and pretty much tried most of them um, in the city and was turned away. They do not have inclusive policies, as far as I could tell, at least for more moderate needs, perhaps with dyslexia, things like that, they, they could be considered inclusive. Once I had exhausted all of the private school options, that's when I turned to the German public school system. At that point, I assumed maybe perhaps naively that the German public school system would be progressive in terms of inclusion, but that didn't really turn out to be the case. It was a difficult system to navigate, 
granted, my German language is not fluent, but having talked to German parents as well, it's um, also a difficult system to navigate. I ended up in the end hiring a consultant who introduced me to some people at Seaboots, which is the office that ended up being the most helpful in terms of um, helping me finally find a school. And just to clarify, Seaboots, that's S-I-B-U-Z, that's an office within the Berlin Senate Department of Education. They provide school psychologists as well as consulting on issues like inclusion or even proper placement in schools. Um, so initially, I, because I had gotten um, involved in the German public school system late in the game, I um, was told that there were no spots for Theo um, and that he the only option was a Sonderschule, which I guess is the same thing as a Vorderschule. A Förderzentrum, they're called in Berlin. Okay, yeah. but that's the same thing as... Okay. Sonderschule is an old name. Okay. Yes. So, so a, spe- a school that is just for kids with special needs. Exactly. Yes. And so I was told that his option would be a Sonderschule. And um, keep in mind, Teo has mild to moderate autism, so he can learn and he does learn. And um, that simply wasn't an option for me. I was also given the option of our local Grundschule, which also suffered from the situation that they told us they did not have resources. Um, it, it was not very welcoming, I suppose I could say. So I, in the end, I ended up hiring an attorney who helped us find a spot, although it is not in an inclusive situation. He is in an autism program with six autistic kids. And then from your perspective as a teacher and a member of the Teachers Union, can you just give a brief overview of what's working and what's not working with the current system? Well, what is working is that it is happening. So we can't deny that inclusion is happening, which means that we've been doing it for about 10 years, which means that schools and colleagues have experience teaching special needs students. And once you have the experience, you know that it's possible. Probably didn't do it well, but you know that it's possible. Um, And special education teachers have also been integrated into the regular school system more or less well. So we're not excluding the specialists anymore. What is definitely not successful is infrastructure. Most schools are not wheelchair accessible. Most schools do not have enough space to give students space who can't be in a room with 30 other children all day long. And we don't have uh, the same number of resources as we had in the old system because the old system was cheaper and they're trying to do a newer system that is more just with the same amount of resources as before, which is impossible. So it's more just, but it's probably less effective. Okay. So a lot of constraints, despite some good ideas. Eileen, tell me a little bit about your son. When was he diagnosed and what were you looking for in a school for him? Um, He was diagnosed about two years ago, though I've He's been um, undergoing therapies for um, since he was about two. I've I've known that something was awry, but um, he did not get the diagnosis until he was five, and he got that in the U.S. actually. And you had trouble getting a diagnosis in Germany, or they were reluctant to give a diagnosis before. I think for two reasons, he is atypically autistic, so there was reluctance in that in that respect, which which is another challenge altogether. And that I got some very old school notions of what autism is. From, from even doctors dealing in that area. But also they were reluctant in terms of um, the stigma that would be attached to him for having that diagnosis. So through your experience, you formed an English-speaking support group for parents with children with special needs. Why did you start that and who attends? 
So after having gone through the entire school search process, which was quite extensive and time-consuming, I felt I had gained quite a bit of knowledge, especially compared to some of the other um, special needs parents I had come in contact with. So the, the main reason was to share resources. I felt it was my duty to share some of my learnings. But I also did it out of, I felt there was a need, especially for expat parents to have um, other parents in a similar situation to talk to. Yeah, it also is just a way to share similar struggles. And who usually comes to the meetings? Yeah, so the attendees are mostly parents of special needs children, the whole gamut from children with sensory processing disorders to more severe genetic disorders. Okay, and just to be clear here, Ryan, can you give us some examples of the different specialized needs that students have? In the educational system in Berlin, we divide between so-called soft and hard special needs. Soft social needs are diagnosed in school, and as soon as you leave the school system, they disappear. So uh, you're no longer recognized as having disability. So that means like a learning disability, a language disability, or behavioral special needs. They're diagnosed in school and sometimes by the kita. On the other hand, there are hard disabilities, and those are the kind that come with a behinderten Ausweis or um, identification of disability in Germany. So that would be like blindness, deafness being in a wheelchair. And I think what most people think about and most teachers talk about when they say inclusion is they mean actually the soft forms of inclusion. Um, what they mean are kids with behavioral special needs that they usually grow out of by the time they're adults. Um, and the primary problem is, is that most of these kids are now at the maximum level in poor districts and in rich districts, there are almost no kids with these kinds of special needs. So poor districts, which already have the challenge of dealing with poverty, also have more special needs to deal with and usually the same amount of resources everywhere else. And that's a phenomenon that we see not only here in Berlin. You're listening to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin. We'll be back after a short break with more on the issue of inclusion in Berlin schools. And we'll take a look at what might be missing in the dialogue on the topic. Next time on Studio 360. In Los Spookies, I play Andres. He is the adopted heir to a chocolate empire. The creators and stars of the new HBO comedy series Los Spookies. He is the kind of person who I'm attracted to, which is humorless. He's sort of like the human version of a fainting couch. That's next time on Studio 360. Studio 360, Sunday nights at 6 on KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. I'm Nikki Mossen, and we're talking about inclusion in Berlin schools. It's the idea that students with and without special needs should be schooled together in the same classrooms. I'm here with Eileen Bernardi, the mother of an autistic son. Also joining me is Ryan Plocher, a teacher at an inclusive Gemeinschaftsschule in Neukölln. He's also a member of the German Education Union, GEW. Ryan, what does the current discussion around inclusion look like, and how is that different, perhaps, from schools in other German states? Well, I think the major difference uh, between Berlin, Hamburg, and Bremen compared to the rest of the German states is that inclusion isn't so much of a political issue in the term in terms of yes or no. So inclusion is here to stay in Berlin, whereas in other German states like Baden-Württemberg or Bayern, they're willing to turn back the clock and say, no, send the kids back to the Förderschule. The discourse in Berlin is dominated by what I would call inclusion idealists, 
who want a kind of utopian school where we have enough resources to teach and help each student very individually without having to do any kind of diagnosis or have any kind of label. Um, and they're taking steps in this direction, which is, I suppose, the correct direction, but they're ignoring that we're doing all of this under austerity, which means that right now we're not even doing well at the goals that we set ourselves in this system. So we're so far away from achieving an, a utopian kind of school that inclusion becomes difficult to talk about. Is this an all-or-nothing discussion where we've got very polarized views of either we close all of the specialized schools and have everybody mainstreamed with in the regular schools, or we leave the kids with special needs out completely? Yeah, that's unfortunately what the discourse is like at a national level. And because of that, if you say that you have questions about inclusion in Berlin, the inclusion idealists who have the upper hand in Berlin immediately attack you as saying, you want all of the kids with special needs to go back to the special needs school, which is not what I want, and it's also not what the trade union wants. Um, what we're pointing out is that right now we're trying to do more with less, and we need to recognize that some students with very severe disabilities cannot go to regular schools because the infrastructure does not exist for them to go to those schools. Should the infrastructure exist, then luckily teacher training has already been adapted and we can take these steps. But unfortunately, right now in the discussion, it sounds either like you hate kids with special needs. And unfortunately, this hate is very real um, and it comes from right wingers and a lot of parents. And on the other hand, there are teachers who are burning out every day trying to do basically the impossible. OK, and let's take a look at another part of the discussion, specifically terms like autism, special needs, disabled, behavioral issues. Eileen, what did you find when you were open with educators about your son's needs and forthcoming about his diagnosis of autism? Yeah, I Get mean, I freak out of here. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had that example precisely. I mean, most of the parents that I am in contact with, the other parents um, of kids, without special needs are actually quite surprised when I tell them about our situation. And of course, if you don't have a child with special needs, it's probably something you don't give a lot of consideration, but there's often an, ah, oh yeah, an aha moment. Oh, oh, you're right. There aren't any special needs kids in my kid's classroom. That's true. But in my circle, most of, most of the parents are quite surprised. As far as educators, I definitely got the feeling that of course, there are enlightened educators who believe in inclusion and know that it's good for everybody. But I did get the feeling, even among well-meaning educators, that this idea that inclusion is good for everybody is not a prevailing idea. The idea that neurotypical children benefit from being in a more diverse environment is just simply not there, in my opinion. For me, one of the primary things that schools should be teaching at the moment is empathy. So you have the idea that everybody benefits from more inclusive schools. Ryan, you are day-to-day -day in a very inclusive school, kids of all ages, all different abilities. What do you think about this? I agree totally. Neurotypical children can benefit very much from having uh, atypical children with them in the classroom because you learn a lot of things at school that are not just measurable on standardized tests. And one of those things is definitely empathy. Um, I have to think of the example of one student. He is very severely disabled. He'll never be able to speak or live by himself. And he's in a classroom that is not really prepared to teach him. Um, he could be learning a lot more if he could get the physical therapy at school, for example. Um, he doesn't have that at our school, but 
the other students are definitely learning from him, and they behave rather differently from other eighth graders who don't have a person Mm -hmm. in their immediate environment with severe disabilities. So tell me a bit more about how the kids respond and what the kids think about the topic of inclusion. If you talk to mature students who have been able to reflect on their experience, they say that they've benefited from it in terms of um, working in groups and being able to deal with people who have a different background or a different set of abilities than they have. They express fairly directly when they're frustrated and when they notice, okay, it's not working right now in the classroom and perhaps this person needs more support or maybe the teacher needs more support. So the students uh, can be frustrated and are often frustrated because we're, as I've said before, doing our best, but it's not the way it should be. What are your ideas on the role that parents play in securing a valuable education for their kids? Unfortunately, we're in the position that parents have to manage their children's education in a very holistic way. There are certain resources that kids with special needs can get, for example, a schulhelfer, as someone who goes with them to school and stays with them the whole day. Schools cannot get a schulhelfer or a school assistant by themselves. The parents have to apply for it themselves, and then that person comes into the schools. So that's one aspect. And the second aspect is that I definitely encourage all parents with special needs kids to start suing the government. We're not going to get elevators in any schools in the city until people start suing the government to get them built. Eileen, do you agree with Ryan's views? Um, Entirely. Especially, I mean, the way the current system stands, parents have to do a lot of work and a lot of advocacy for their child. It can be a full-time job at times. Also, I found that um, in the U.S., for example, one would have a caseworker. And what would that caseworker do? What does that look like for people who aren't familiar So as I understand it, a caseworker is the person who coordinates the education, the therapies, the the IEP, which is the Individualized Education Plan for the child, kind of oversees everything. That doesn't really seem to be the case here. I am the caseworker, and so I I am the caseworker. This is Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM. We'll be back after a short break to talk more about inclusion in Berlin schools. This week in This American Life, who hasn't this happened to? A woman freezes her dead father, hoping that hundreds of years from now he'll be unfrozen and brought back to life. And she donates the capsule that has his body inside of it to a cryonics organization, run by this guy. That's probably the only thing that I am somewhat um, ashamed about, that I didn't tell her that I was going to put three, three more people in there this week. Catch This American Life every Sunday at 5 p.m. on KCRW Berlin. Welcome back to Studio Berlin on 104.1 FM KCRW Berlin. We're talking about inclusion in Berlin schools. I'm here with Ryan Plocher, a teacher at an inclusive school in Neukölln, and Eileen Bernardi, the mother of an autistic son and the founder of an English-speaking support group for parents. Den stärksten, den durchschnittlichen und den schwächsten Schülern gleichzeitig gerecht zu werden, ein Ding der Unmöglichkeit ist. Das bedeutet, That's a clip from my interview with former teacher and author Michael Felton. He wrote a book called Inclusion als Problem, or Inclusion as a Problem. His view is that merging children with special needs into regular classrooms endangers quality education for both groups and that the best path forward would be individualized integration on a case-by-case basis. What do you both think of this? I mean, to a certain extent, I agree. I think that um, 
parents should be given a choice of where to send their children to school. On the other hand, I do think that inclusion should be one of those choices. Okay, and Ryan, what about you? It sounds to me like, one, this would involve a lot of additional bureaucracy that we don't have money or resources for anyways. So, I mean, when are these diagnoses going to happen? Is it in the kita? Is it in the first or second grade? Is this just another form of more uh, sorting of students even earlier? And I think that it's necessary to say that inclusion is a human right because the special needs schools have been abused in the past in an especially racist way that Sinti and Roma students or refugees have been put into special needs schools in the past simply for not being able to speak German and not being able to speak German is not a disability. And as soon as we say the special needs schools are there for any reason other than the fact that the infrastructure doesn't exist in regular schools, the possibility of abuse is there. Mr. Felton also says that in non-inclusive classrooms there are already so many challenges inhibiting optimal learning. He can't imagine also bringing in children with special needs. Is this common in some of the views that we find shaping the policies? Yes. But can already strap school districts, both from from an employee perspective and a funding perspective, can they make this work? The school districts in Berlin are not strapped for cash. They're strapped for personnel because austerity meant that they didn't train enough teachers in Berlin. And unfortunately, this pattern was repeated all over Germany. Now, German schools and um, state governments have money that they can and should be spending on inclusion, that they can and should be spending on infrastructure. Um, And unfortunately, they're not making it into a priority in terms of getting building companies and uh, construction firms or in terms of getting therapists and experts on uh, special needs. Um, As soon as the government makes this into a real priority instead of just a talking point before an election, then we'll see some real change in Germany. And this is why I said that the parents need to get active in the courts and not just in an advocacy sense, because this is what's going to push state and national governments forward. We're about to wrap up this edition of Studio Berlin, but before we do, I have the same question for both of you. Ryan, I'll start with you. From your perspective, as a teacher at one of Berlin's more inclusive schools, what advice do you have for parents, educators, and Berlin lawmakers? Um, Well, I'll start with my colleagues. At risk of sounding too pro-inclusion, I want to say that inclusion is difficult, but it's not impossible. And I see and know how stressful and difficult it is to, to achieve inclusion without the resources necessary. But we all know that it's the right thing to do, and turning away from inclusion is the wrong way. We need to move forward and demand more resources together from the governments, together with the parents, with each other as teachers at all forms of schools, to demand more resources. Going back to the old system is deeply unjust and also against the law. For parents, I I suggest talk to your friends, talk to your family, tell them what the situation is, talk to the media. It's about advocating for your children and advocating for an inclusive system. I've had enough contact with teachers to know that the lack of resources is, is real, and they're scared. I think there's fear um, when they think about being more inclusive. And for lawmakers, again, um, it isn't a partisan issue. And, and talk to your constituents, talk to the media, and just um, spread the idea that inclusive education is good for all. That's it for this week's Studio Berlin. Eileen Bernardi is a mother of two, including a seven-year-old autistic son. She's also the founder of an English-speaking support group in Berlin for parents with children who have special needs. Ryan Plocher is a teacher at an inclusive Gemeinschaftsschule in Neukölln, where he works with students from grades 1 to 13. He's also a member of the German Education Union, GEW, 
and a member of the Personalrat, or School Employees Council, in Neukölln. Thank you, Eileen and Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm Nikki Matson, your host this week on Studio Berlin, and you can catch more episodes and engage in discussions on the topics we cover. Simply connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to have your say. Thanks for listening to Studio Berlin, our weekly current affairs show here on KCRW Berlin, 104.1 FM. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs>